welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is episode 40. The big 40, right? <laughs> that got a damn work, huh? This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. One, Kapuma! Yes, it's great to be back. Howdy, how's everybody doing today? Yeah, the, the big four... Oh. The big four oh, the big forty. Yep. You know what's funny? In ten years we're gonna be forty years old. Yeah. You believe that? No, well that's if we li- you know, we don't get killed by Commandante, Agent <laughs> Orange. Who's Commandante? Oh, you know, a certain guy at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yes. I think uh at forty years old, what do you think you'll be doing? What will I be doing? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Probably being Al Bundy. That's yeah. that's probably where I'm going to be at in life. You know what's funny? I can see that. I can already see you being like an old man. You're an old man now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you're a young man, relatively speaking, but you have old man traits. You know what I'm saying? You give off that Hank Hill vibe to me like no other. Okay. Like, I'm going to get on my lawnmower, drink my beer on the front porch kind of guy. That's the vibe you give off. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm not saying something that's out I of... I mean, my life goal is just to be the old guy in Up that's just, like, crotchety and, like, angry. Yeah. Like, that's that's my life so goal. So just you now, but, like, 40 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, less gray hair. Yeah. Not so much of a square face. Like in so the I've cartoon. never watched Up, man. Is Up a good movie? Should I get into it? Give me the rundown. Up's What's up, classic. bro? Well, yeah. it fits within your criteria. What's it's, that? It's after... It's post, like, 99, 2000. I do like that. So it's, it's great. I, I'm pretty sure it won... An Oscar or two. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But no, it's great. I, th- I thought it was awesome. Everything by like Disney, like Pixar for the most part is like yeah. gold. So, Dude, I really enjoy animated movies. And I don't know what that says about me, but I actually can't wait to have a kid so I can take them to the movie theater so I can watch like, movies that I want to watch. Have a kid or are we going to the certified pre-owned Oh, well, I want to adopt a certified pre-owned 2009, 2010 model. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just so they're like about nine years old right now. Mm-hmm. They're past their bullshit fucking phase. You know? I'm 16. Listen, I'm angry at my father syndrome. Yeah, man. Listen, I think I think what I want in a perfect world would be to have a kid or to adopt a kid that is older than like four years old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when they're young, they're pooping all the time. I don't want to clean that up. Uh, terrible twos, I heard, are pretty bad. I heard the threes are pretty bad as well. But around four-ish, man, that's perfect. You know what I'm saying? They're, they can run around. You can throw a ball to them. You can play catch. You don't have to pull over on a road trip because they can hold their pee. Exactly, right? So things like that, you know? And you know how much I hate stopping off the fucking freeway, right? Oh, I know. Why, we heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brandon, let me, uh, let me run something by you, bro. Oh, God, I can't wait for this. Dude, I just started with one sentence. I See, but when I, it's like that. Let me run something by you. It's like, this is going to be a classic. This is going to be a gem. Can't I think, wait. I think about this conversation, like... Five weeks ago, about my fascination for submarines lately, right? Yeah, right. I am so into it. I, it's for the viewers. I, you know, I'm watching all the documentaries. I'm watching all the old movies. I'm looking up what the requirements are to join the U.S. Navy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, Jay. <laughs> You're going through boot camp. <laughs> okay. Now, what I found out is that I'm a little too old to go in and you know go through the. U.S. Navy requirements to be a what are they called the Navy what are they called the officers that die the divers the submarine well, divers there's a, there's a submarine dive officer op- but there's like an o- yeah, officer yeah yeah a submarine enlisting. officer that fucking controls the submarine right 
Well, I mean, you have to be there for like a decade. Yeah. So you know? I realized I'm never going to get to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm bummed about that, bro. I've just got this amazing fascination for submarines lately. And I'm sitting at work the other day looking at the Excel spreadsheet thinking, God, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I, I, could, be, nuclear I could be in a submarine right now in the Baltic Sea fighting fucking Russians, you know? Wow. But instead, I'm sitting. <laughs> Were you watching The Hunt for Red October? I did watch that. Okay. Good movie. Good movie. So wait a minute. That's pre- 2000. Yeah, but it piques my interest. Oh, here we you go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Submarines pique my interest, so I will watch something older than pre-2000. Okay. You know? And I tell you what. I think I think I would be a great submariner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do tell me more. Minus the lack of having Starbucks on board that, uh, that submarine, I, I think I would be great. Do you know how big these things are, bro? The size of a shoebox? Like, well, no, plus... Just, I mean, just, they're huge. They're like football football feels long. So I was looking up online and apparently the Ohio class, which is the biggest class of uh, submarines yeah, that the United States makes. ballistic missile boat. Right? Uh, also a typhoon class that the Russians make. They are twice the size of a 747. Mm-hmm. That's a big motherfucker. Yeah. These things cost $4 billion a pop. Uh-huh. Right? In all of World War II, five megatons of explosives were used. On one submarine... With just one of the bombs on them, there's like five megatons worth of explosives. There's like five, six of these bombs. Yeah. You know I'm saying? On, Some of them uh, have 20 missiles on there. Yeah, right, right? I mean, these things are just powerful, man. These things can level countries at a time with one fucking, uh, with one bomb. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here at work looking through a fucking Excel spreadsheet. You know? And you want to push the button. <laughs> I do. I would love nothing more to push the button, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody say a prayer for peace. You know what I'm saying? Everybody say a prayer I'd be, for peace. I'd be that guy that they would have to, like, control. I'd be the guy leading the mutiny. You know what I'm saying? And not the good kind of mutiny that's trying to, like, you know, stop, like, a deranged fucking officer or deranged, like, commander. I'd be leading the mutiny to blow shit up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Okay, Crimson Tide, Gene Hackman. <laughs> right, right? I'd be like, yo, I'm not second party Italians, all right? Yeah. Wow. Let's just, just take them out. <laughs> you know? Wow. They deserve to be taken out. The Italians are fucking scum, man. Come on. What? What? Well, listen, I saw a documentary the other day about how badly they treat their soccer players. I was like, oh. oh. You know really? Throughout all of human history, yeah. we are bent out of shape about how they treat soccer players. Dude, have you seen how bad it is in Italy? Have you read a book? <laughs> have you read? I have. I have. <laughs> it was funny, not to get down on a tangent, but you know how Americans um, perceive themselves as really bad with racism? Yeah. I think after, you know, growing up in Pakistan and being around the Middle East and seeing it just how, so, like just hearing some of these stories about how, like, Italian people will throw, like, bananas at, like, African American players. Yeah, I think that's we're, a big problem. Think, all, it's not just yeah, Italy; it's right? like throughout all of exactly, Europe. Exactly right. So apparently, there's a bunch of racism going on in FIFA that I'd never heard of before. You know what I'm saying? Like, apparently, if you're black and you're playing soccer somewhere, I'm not gonna call it football because it's fucking soccer. Um, there's gonna be some racism coming your way, and, and I'm like, you know what? What's like, going on like that? Like, I know we got our problems in America, but we're not that bad. You For know what I'm saying? Decades. Like, we're not throwing bananas at other people. Like, that's just fucking insane. Decades. So, like, there are teams. Uh, that's why, like, FIFA, they did that big push of, like, end racism. Yeah, yeah that's really going like, like, to fucking slow I think it help. was 10, 10 years ago. Where, mm-hmm. Like, before then, you, like, the club wasn't penalized. You weren't demoted. You yeah. weren't, like, 
pulled out of uh, championship league matches nowadays, like you get a strike, you get a fine, and then yeah. if you still mess up, like they'll either shut your season down. I'm pretty sure yeah. they'll definitely pull you out of like the Champions League running for whatever your club is. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's Friend, insane. Think about the statement you just made. We we sideline baseball players or football players for you know PDS or whatever the fuck it is. These guys are being sidelined for racism. Yeah, like, that's a big but thing. Look at the part of the world like back that like these are all like either you know colonial like former colonial countries like yeah. you know all the uh, territories and whatnot and you know some of them are Eastern Europe so they got, you got the Soviet bloc going like this is all like that's all Europe I I, yeah. I don't know when they had like their desegregation moment but like yeah. sports wise here like since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier we desegregated schools like yeah. no. We've been ahead of the curve for once. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I, the way I see it, and maybe this is me talking out of my ass, but just stuff you read online, um, the Western European countries are very, you know, progressive, right? So, like, the French, the Germans, the uh, English, right? There's always, like, one asshole in the yeah. group, but it's not, like, the whole party. Yeah, but the Eastern slash, like, Italy slash Southern, like, Spain, Italy, I mean, the Eastern European countries, Ukraine, and all that shit, apparently it's still pretty bad out there. It's still kind of, like, olden times in mm-hmm. some of the some spots out there where there's not the, there's a lack of education and there's a lack of just, like, you know, progressive thinking is what's causing all these racist issues. Well, it's from the world of you be a progressive, you're throwing the gulag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I just say put the fucking wall back up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. Cuban Missile Crisis, Berlin, Checkpoint Charlie issues. Yeah. Ah, Able Archer. Nah, yeah. put, the, put the wall back up. Hey, Putin, I'll help you build the Berlin Wall one I'm more just time. Saying, I'm just saying. So that's why I'm saying I could be only one of these fucking uh, submarines and it's taking out these fucking countries, bro. God. You know? Everybody that's... dead. Um, another thing I want to run by you. This is going to be a quick one. Oh, God. I found a pre-2000 song that I liked. Yeah? What's that? Blue Monday. Oh, by... Uh, who sings that? I know the band that does the cover. I don't know who sings it, but... I saw that song in the new World Wonder Woman trailer, and I absolutely loved it. Blue Monday. Blue Monday. Huh. Want to play a little Blue Monday? Yeah, they might pull us off, you know, a little copyright infringement. Oh, what are they going to do? Find our podcast? Come hey, on. Hey, you never know. Come on. Blue Monday. Who? Oh, New Order. Yeah, I know that song. You say? Yeah. Hold on. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, here we go. Hold on. We already I'm have audio people. issues. Now we're trying to pick up a song. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, but yeah, okay. So that's like your second pre-2000 song because you were a fan of uh, Immigrant Song. Wow. What a jam. I'm so glad. What a jam. You finally come around to the times. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah, this song, Immigrant Song. Immigrant Song was good. Well, you know what it is? You know what it is? So I like that song because it came in in pop culture because it was used in the Thor Ragnarok movie. And Thor Ragnarok had that very 80s feel to it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so Wonder Woman 84 is also an 80s movie. It's uh, it's a 1984. Oh, they're trying to pull a Thor. Dude, I I tell you what. They are trying to. Dude, DC can't do a movie to save the life. They are trying to, but the first Wonder Wonder Woman movie was very successful. And I enjoy looking at Gal Gadot, right? So, I am going to watch the second one as well. All right. <laughs> the same guy that thought Batman vs. Superman was a work of art. Greatest movie of all time. And you're on drugs. Greatest movie of all time. You need a drug test. So. Okay, football. 
Yep. Let's get to it, right? A lot to get into. Let's start with some college football. Mm-hmm. The playoff uh, selection committee has decided that LSU will be the number one team in the country going to the playoffs. Yep. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Clemson. And number four is Oklahoma. The matchups on December 28th for the semifinals will be uh, LSU versus Oklahoma, one versus four, and then two versus three, yep. which is going to be Ohio State versus Clemson. LSU versus Oklahoma is going to be an interesting matchup. Um, a lot of people are picking LSU to steamroll there. I'm here to say there's going to be an upset, and Oklahoma is oh. going to win. Oklahoma is going to win against LSU. They're actually going to play defense. Uh, we'll see. Okay. The issue is both defenses suck. The knock against LSU as well was their defense is trash. So it's going to be a track meet. And at the end of the day, in a track meet, I'll take Jalen Hurts over Joe Burrows. I have a bigger issue with Joe Burrows himself. Great quarterback. Um, He's from Ohio. He was an Ohio State recruit. He was on that Ohio State team. He was going to be the heir apparent. But unfortunately, he broke his hand before camp started. And that's where Dwayne Haskins stepped in. Mm -hmm. So trust me, I love Dwayne. I love Joe Burrows. But we're getting to an era where mobility is everything. Right, and that's why I say in the next NFL draft, I would take Joe. I would take Tua Tagovailoa over Joe Burrow, just because if Tua is healthy, I will. I will hands down say right now, if Tua is healthy, he'll be a better pro prospect in where the NFL is going. Yeah, but Joe Burrow caught his own deflected pass and ran for a first Dude, down. Come on, he's playing like Ole Miss. He's playing like some shit fucking college. He did teams. that in the playoff. A playoff. The, the the game last week the uh, the oh who are they playing for the or oh, Georgia uh, when they're beating them like twenty seven three yeah Georgia still, is not a good football team right, here we go Georgia is not a good football team he's still mobile enough to catch dude he's still Fine. mobile enough to catch his deflected pass tuck it in and run for the first down and so is Nick Foles Nick Foles can do that as well I mean I don't know it's, but Nick Foles a little but bit when you when you look at Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow running next to each other Jalen Hurts is gonna leave him in the fucking dust mm. all right second game. Ohio State versus Clemson. I'm actually on the fence about trying to go down for this game. Me and my brother are thinking about it. Um, but it's fucking stupid expensive. And I Where really is wanna, it? It's in uh, Arizona. Ah. That's part of the issue as well. If it was in Atlanta, I'd probably go to it. But Arizona is just way the fuck out there. I can't, right. I'm can't. i not a big fan of that. Um, but Ohio State and Clemson, great matchup. This is going to be – this is like the fucking game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like these guys are going to go at it. And no lie, it's a fucking coin flip. It's also like a revenge game too, because last time these two played, yeah, it was pretty bad. Then Clemson, Clemson dropped like a the hammer on them. Yeah, it was thirty-one zero. Bad night for me. But then again, it was Urban Meyer, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Urban Meyer had this bad propensity of just like sticking to one game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan did. We had this conversation before uh, in the in the championship game last uh, last week, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Um, Ryan Day's team was down twenty-one to seven. Um, they went into halftime, made some adjustments, and they came back in the second half and blew them out the water. They scored 27 unanswered points against Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a great game. Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were in the same recruiting class. Trevor Lawrence went to Clemson and has great immediate success. Justin Fields has a different route. He went to Georgia, didn't work out, went to Ohio State, finally got his success that he's looking for. Um, and I will say this as well. Looking next year, if you have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the draft, who do you take? Trevor I, Lawrence. I take Justin Fields. I take Justin Fields, Brandon. Dude, dude where this, where the NFL is going? Like, I have this bigger mantra of where the NFL is going. You take Justin Fields, who can run, man. But everyone's gonna have the, this vision of, you know, name a quarterback that's come out of Ohio State that's been successful that hasn't I, become a wide receiver. I can say that same exact thing for Louisville. Name a quarterback that came out of Louisville before Lamar Jackson. That's fine. But, like, at least with Clemson right now, they have the recent track record of having 
you know, they have Deshaun Watson that's kind of roving out of there. Who's a running quarterback. And, and he Desha- can also throw the ball. And Deshaun Watson can run circles around Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has a great arm. Trevor Lawrence right. is, the, is the Peyton Manning. Right. But the point is, it's like it's more of a pro-style offense, right? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- that was the biggest knock with Dwayne when he came yeah. out last year was he wasn't pro-ready. Like, yeah. the kid's got the arm. Well, I mean, Dwayne, uh, what's his name? Daniel Jones came out of pro-style offense. Yeah. I mean, he's crap this year. Yeah, so it's more pro-ready. It's all up in the, it's all subjective into what team is going to build around you, just how we see the Ravens are doing. And where I see the NFL is leading towards, I think the era of the old quarterback is done, bro. Like, it's so... You got to move a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And in regards to NFL speed, in college football, Joe Burrows and Trevor Lawrence can move. In the NFL, they will not be able to move with that speed. Linebackers are running 4-4s. Four They're going to hunt you down. You know what I'm saying? So that's the bigger issue. And uh, I think my prediction is going to be Oklahoma versus Ohio State in the college football playoffs. And we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with LSU and Clemson. And then... go with the chalk. And then we have... Well, chalk would be Ohio State versus LSU. One versus two. The Clemson's the Clemson's the dog? Clemson's number three. Right, but Clemson's like the underdog in like the matchup? Like, I'm not talking about rankings, but like to play in the the championship? I don't know. I don't look at the line yet. I'd be interested to see what the line is on that. Because I feel like the... The, the the chalk would be LSU. LSU would be the chalk for well, sure. When you say chalk, don't you mean by rankings? Because no, no, no. Chalk is, is like the. I'm not talking about the rankings. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the like the matchup that's more likely yeah. to go play for the playoff. I yeah. feel like the chalk would be LSU and Clemson. Mm. Okay. Just because just because of Clemson's record, like Clemson's been there like how many times in the past couple of years? What was it like three? Yeah. So they've won two out of the last three. Right. And. Uh, the one thing that uh, was interesting with this college playoff was this is the first time that Alabama didn't get in since the inception of the college playoff. Right. So I wonder how Nick Saban's taking that. Yeah, probably hitting the bottle. Probably not good. <laughs> uh, cool. And then the Heisman finalists got announced last night as well. Um, it was uh, Heisman finalists that were invited to New York were Joe Burrow out of, out of LSU, Justin Fields out of Ohio State, Chase Young out of Ohio State, and Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, uh, Joe Burrow is going to win this hands down. There's just this massive media swell around him and the hype around him right now, so he's going to win it. Um and Justin Fields, Jace Young, and Jalen uh, Hurts is just here for showpiece. Right. Right. Is it? Is it, Am I wrong to say it was surprising to see Justin Field listed there? Or am I just not no, paying I attention think, enough? No, I think you're an Ohio State hater, first That's of all. That's not a hater. I just um, came out and said, am I not paying attention enough to Ohio State? Like, Because I was kind of – I figured Chase Young's the chalk. But, yeah. like, I don't no. know. No, Justin Field is absolutely lighting it up. He has uh, – he's accounted for 50 touchdowns this year. Right. 40 throwing. With uh with one interception, okay. so his touchdown to interception ratio was unreal, forty to one, right. and then touchdown ten touchdowns on the ground. Um, but LSU, there's this, and I don't know how much you watch college football, college football, but there's this something called SEC bias. Yeah, no, um, no doubt. It's just this grand swell of like, if any SEC team does anything good. It's just going to be like, give me their dicks in their fucking mouth. They're like, ah, I'm going to blow job with fucking LSU and Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's unreal. Like, Georgia was a crap team this year. A crap team. Yeah. 
but they somehow like were still in it at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like there was rumblings that a two loss Georgia team, even after the loss to LSU, I heard that on the radio, and I was like, it's you like, got what they gotta do to fucking get out? Like what do they gotta do to be eliminated? Like the SEC bias is unfucking well right there. Like, <laughs> exactly. And at the end of the day, they would never take a two loss Utah over a two loss Georgia because right. the SEC bias. Right. So the bias is real, and there's that's why Joe Burrow is gonna run away with this. But if you look at it just logically. Um, you can make a good case for Justin Fields, but his time will come. He'll be back next year. He'll make another run next year as well. All right. But, yeah, that's uh, that's the Kasho Ball wrap-up in a nutshell. There you go. Yeah. When, when are the games? When do they start? So, December 28th okay. is the two Kosh uh, playoff games, which is on my birthday. Oh, look at um, that. They play in the, is one the day game, one the night game? Yep. So, okay. one the 4 o'clock game will be the crap game, which is the LSU-Oklahoma game, which oh, everybody, everybody, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then the 8 o'clock game is going to be the Clemson-Ohio State game. Mm. And that is going to be fun. Now, if Ohio State loses, there's a good chance, uh, you know. I'm going to have to find a new host. Yes. Got it. I'm going to walk into a lake and never come back out. Yeah, okay. I'll stop breathing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, moving on to week 14 of the NFL season. Brandon, there's three weeks left, and I am starting to get sad. Yep. It's that time day. of the year. It's the last uh, last month of the regular season. Before long, we'll be in the playoffs and Super Bowl and college football, and then football will be gone, man. I'm gonna be sad. Yeah, gonna be a sad, sad day. Wait, are we going? We're going into 15, right? Yeah, 15. Because last week was 14. Yeah, so 14 yeah. was last week. Yep. We're going to 15. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. I want to make sure I don't botch the uh, the title on SoundCloud, <laughs> Spotify, Google Play. Uh, as usual, we will look into the big uh, big storylines coming out of Week 14. We will discuss the Buffalo Bills, the Patriots, the what was your uh, mine? I got the uh, the Chicago Bears kind of coming back strong. The uh, 49ers Saints game. And uh, the Titans. Mm-hmm. Tighten up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with my big storyline out of uh, week 14. The Buffalo Bills, uh, in my eyes, are absolute pretenders. Um, now, the Bills lost to the Ravens this week and now fall to 9-4. and four. A lot has been made this year about the Bills. And while, sure, they are a playoff team, uh, I don't think in my mind they'll advance. Maybe they'll get a win if the ball bounces their way, whatever. But they're not going to make any real noise in the playoffs. We discussed this last week. Um, but they have now, again, they have now lost to the, the best teams they've played, which is New England, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Cleveland. And they've won against Jets, Giants, Bengals, Titans, Finns, Redskins, Finns, Broncos, and Cowboys. All crap were middle of the pack teams. Um, and watching the game on Sunday, you can see two good teams. I will give you the Bills are a good team uh, on the defensive end. Um, and they equally matched when I was watching that game. But one team at the end of the day had Lamar Jackson, who threw for t- three touchdowns. And the other team had Josh Allen, who ended up with 146 yards, one touchdown, and 14 QBR. Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind... The biggest reason why this Bills team has failed to make themselves into an AFC elite is because Josh Allen is not that guy. He's very serviceable, um, but he hasn't made that jump from last year to this year. He is the classic mediocre quarterback on a good team like Trubisky was last year. Uh, Entering last week, pro football focus quarterback rankings has Josh Allen as the 26th ranked quarterback. His downfield accuracy is the biggest knock on his game, right? Um, they graded his uh, his passing grade for downfield accuracy of 20 yards or more was 34.3, which is by far the worst in the league. So why is he a good team around Josh Allen? I think because of Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills are a pretender and not a contender. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to push back a little bit. I mean, yeah, he was bad against Baltimore. 
Uh, he missed a couple of throws, but a couple of crucial ones. I mean, Dawson Knox dropped a few. Cole Beasley dropped a few. John Brown was kind of nowhere to be found. Had a chance to get the tying touchdown at the end of the game. Marcus Peters made a good play. So the offensive side of the ball as a whole collectively struggled. But with this defense here, if they play their strengths, I mean, they held the, the Baltimore Ravens to 257 total total yards yes, yes. which mm-hmm. i mean that's the lowest total that the baltimore ravens have been held down all year mm-hmm. josh allen he has been making strides with the easy money throws underneath and the intermediate routes which was his biggest knock last year um and trying to cut down the hero throws i'm still buying the buffalo bills they're still they're, they're definitely a playoff team and if a couple of things still go their way they could still win the AFC East. Um, they got a huge game coming up. We're going to get into with the the Pittsburgh Steelers in prime time, and I think that they're in a prime spot to to potentially bounce back. It, I, they need to they need to play a little bit more. I didn't look at his rushing stats, but I'm not too. I don't think Josh Allen rushed around as much, much as he yeah. did. Yeah. So that's one of his key strengths. Like he, the guy can move. He's a bit. He's like a giant white version of Cameron Newton. Like just you know run around. Be safe with you, you know, with your friggin' body, not try to lower and truck people, but make plays with your legs. We saw that with Dallas. It opened up a bunch of plays underneath and over the top a little bit with Cole Beasley. So they need to get back. Uh, Brian Dable, I think he is the offensive coordinator for Buffalo, should be able to get them back on track. So uh, you make a good point there, man. And I was watching this game, and you see two very evenly matched teams, right? Both teams, uh, the Buffalo Bills defense is just like, you know, stopping the the Ravens offense. And I'm starting to wonder, is this, you know, the league finally getting enough film on the Ravens? They can slow them down. Um, Or is it just purely the Bills are a really good defense? And the Bills are purely a really good defense, Mm -hmm. right? And you watch this team, you watch both teams play, and you're like, my God, they're very evenly, you know, um, matched up, right? But at the end of the day, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen is a quarterback for the Bills. That was the underlying factor of that seven-point win for the Ravens. And that is one of the reasons why this whole this whole year I'm like, yeah, yes, I, I get it. The Bills are a good team. I see it. I see the physicality they run the ball with. I see how they dominate the uh, the defensive line. I see all that. But there's something there that I just don't like, and I don't know what it is. And I think it hit it right on the head on Sunday. I was watching both of them play, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And I'm like, wait a minute. One guy is winning this game. The other guy is not even helping at all one bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. And as you look further into his stats and you start looking at some of the grades that uh, PFF has given them in the quarterback rankings and you know, ranking 26 or whatever it was, um, you start seeing what the issue with that team is. And it's Josh Allen not developing to what he thought we, he could be. I don't know if it's that because he took, he showed gigantic strides against Dallas. I think, yeah, like, like I said, he was bad on Sunday, but his wide receivers did not do him any help at all. You know, it's kind of well, hard. Well, we can't use that as an excuse. I'm not using – it's not an excuse. When I'm putting use- entire blame on the offense. I'm Like, John Brown is not throwing the ball to himself. Cole Beasley's not throwing the ball to himself. Devin Singletary, I don't even think he got a whole lot of run against Baltimore. And he's been one of the more dynamic players on that offense. Yeah. Josh Allen, yeah, he laid an egg. But so did the offense, the, the rest of the offense, like the wide receivers. Does John not- Brown was nowhere to be found. For the second game in a row, he was nowhere to be found. Does it not concern you that they haven't had one quality win? And if you want the Cowboys, you can have that, but I don't consider that right, a quality but win if, anymore. If we're going to make that argument, does that make the New England Patriots yes. a paper tiger? Yes. Okay. And, I'm not I will, that and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I have a lot to say about the Patriots. I'm not that concerned because talent wise, I think the Dallas Cowboys are probably one of the better teams that they've played all year. And some of those losses, like, yeah, I think they got smoked 
out against the Browns and the Eagles. But the Patriots game, they're a block. If there's no block punt for a touchdown, that's a completely different ball game. So, well, at the end of the day, I mean, yes, I, 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 you know, we all do that if and should and could. But at the end of the day, their biggest wins and the best wins are against you know some very bad teams. And I think that's my biggest concern is the fact that they can't win against good teams. Um, and Josh Allen just isn't there. Um, where he needs to be. So we'll see as time will tell, man. There'll be a playoff team they'll get in, um, but I don't see them making any noise in the playoff at all. Mm. We'll see. Potentially winning the uh, AFC East right here. Going to go to Chicago for my point. Uh, Chicago Bears kind of resurging a little bit over the last three weeks, and it's uh, no coincidence that, hey, Matt Nagy actually played to the strengths of his quarterback and letting Mitchell Trubisky run a little bit. Uh, over the last three games, uh, Mitch, he's rushed 21 times for 85 yards and two touchdowns. And he's also getting it done through the air for uh, 860 yards, seven touchdowns, and four interceptions during that same three-game span. But to me, it's more important that he is using his legs to generate offense. We saw that against the uh, the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night last week, which seems like eons ago when you look at the slate that just came through on Sunday. But I mean, he just he ran. He was running. He was keeping plays alive. He was. He didn't see anything open downfield. He was being mobile, uh, and he was getting the job done. And it looked like, on a whole, uh, Matt Nagy was also getting back into establishing the run a little bit more. One of the biggest knocks, besides Trubisky, with him was they completely would fade the run game. And David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen was nowhere to be found. And now they're getting a run game going with David Montgomery and. Uh, Anthony Miller's having a little bit of a mini breakout season. You know, it's all about talent and opportunity in this league. And with Taylor Gabriel going down, that's opening up more looks for Anthony Miller. And now he's finally having his sophomore breakout for being a rookie last year. And Allen Robinson, I think, is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL right now. If you look at the last three games as well, I think he's put up at least two or three touchdowns. He's had decent uh, yardage games. I think he hit the 100 receiving yard mark a few uh one definitely one of those times i think it was on thanksgiving he was getting the job done and they have a decent schedule coming up that could play against uh you know they could play their strengths and they could continue to run the ball against green bay kansas city which granted they've come on better as a defense over the last few weeks and uh the minnesota vikings have been susceptible on the ground as well too so i think the bears are going to make the nfc wild card picture a little bit interesting especially that last week against minnesota because if they continue to win out that's a huge game i think it's going to be winning winning your in against the vikings for that second wild card spot yeah that's gonna be interesting that's gonna be really interesting Um, next up, I have uh, two that is rolled into one, the Patriots and the officiating. Um, so so with the Patriots, man. Like, God, we do this week in and week out. Like, where do I even start? The Patriots lost 23-16 to Kansas City Chiefs. Another week, another bad outing for the offense. Uh, and it's starting to make me really concerned a lot with this team, and I'm starting to get really freaked out. Um, first of all, this is the worst offense I have seen from the Belichick-Brady era. Uh, it's so bad that we had to resort to trick plays to get in the end zone on Sunday. The biggest thing that concerned me was going in, I thought the Patriots would be able to run on the league's, one of the league's worst run defense, but we had absolutely no run game whatsoever. I thought going in, our our strength was going to be able to run on that run defense, which is, I believe, ranked 30th in the, in the it's nation. It's toward the bottom. It's toward the bottom, but dude, we had absolutely nothing. 
Um, on the receiving side, what, what, what are you going to say? Bad wide receivers. Uh, the only person that uh, Brady trusts is Edelman. Um, all the other wide receivers were dropping passes. I mean, we're tied with the Cowboys for the most drops in the NFL. Um, and just they're just not in sync with Tom Brady. Uh, offensive line, complete dumpster fire. Now, I know Brady gets a lot of heat, and I get it, man. I get I get the hate, the jealousy, resentment, whatever it is. But we need to start considering the decisions made by Bill Belichick and the coaching staff and what they put around Tom Brady in that offense. Um, I am calling out the Patriots front office and Bill Belichick, right, um, for wasting a year of Brady's career, especially towards the twilight of his career where there's not that many years left, right? Um, now, the whole refereeing thing, right, there's, there's a lot to be made there. Um, it's only getting worse, right? It's not getting so better. This is the worst it's been. This is the worst the refs have been in the – I don't think ever, right? I don't think I, I can. I don't remember right. a worse time for the refs. And real quick, Jerome Boger and his crew have been like, if you for those baseball fans out there, that crew as a whole is the Angel Hernandez of umpires in Major League Baseball. Like they're they're bad, and I don't understand, and a lot of people don't understand is how do you put this crew in the four o'clock time like the prime time game like this is a huge game here like you would think you'd want like at least like if it's not your a team because obviously they're going to be doing sunday night football you would figure your next best team would be doing that main game at the four o'clock 425 time frame yeah these referees were bad it continued yeah we can't seem to go a week without some sort of controversy like it's becoming more frequent it used to be like you know three years ago it used to be like once a year oh my god if i can lost it right then a couple years ago it was like oh shit this is popping up three four times a year i mean now it's like shit it's like every three to four fucking weeks man every two weeks it's like something insane mm -hmm. uh, and for most of you i haven't watched the game um, there was two horrendous calls in my eyes that took 14 points off the board. The uh, strip sack that was called dead, which they've been coached to let play out. Right, after that week two debacle with the Saints and, and Rams. And then LA. the other play with Nikhil Harry being two inches from the fucking line and getting to the end zone. But um, the referee saw it as out of bounds, and we took the fucking touchdown off the board, and obviously we didn't have any challenges. So um, that was part of the... Um, officiating issues now listen a lot of Patriots fans will blame the will blame the refs right um and I would love to come here and blame the refs blame the refs today but deep down I know this offense is dog poop this offense is dog poop right yeah as bad I, I think us as Patriots fans we need to realize officiating is gonna be bad no matter what it's not just for us it's for the whole league the Saints got robbed of a fucking championship uh Super Bowl worth because of a fucking bad officiating call so we can't come in here and now look at the deeper issue the deeper issue is this offense is dog poop and I can say Sunday is the day when I was watching the Patriots versus the the Chiefs, and it pains me to say this. I realized the Patriots won't make the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, it finally hit me, and I can say that as objectively as possible that this team might not even win a playoff game, right? Um, I am officially updating my Super Bowl pick to say the Patriots not be in the big game. Wow. So there's wow. that. Well, I mean, listen, we. The referees, they definitely deserve to be railed on. There's no excuse. There is absolutely... We just got to accept it's part of the game now. absolutely it's no excuse. It's not going to change. But here's the thing, too. My... In regards to the whole officiating thing, Bill Belichick needs to be smarter with the challenges. Mm -hmm. Like, I can, Since I've watched football... Nobody I overturns I a spot foul anymore. I can't anymore. recall Nobody overturns a spot that. anymore. Like is, that, like, is that really going to be the hill we're going to die on? 
And then you lose. You know that what that challenge. was? You know what that was? That was him realizing this is getting away from me. This is getting away from the team. We're losing. It's starting to get bad. We need this call now. Yep. You know what I'm saying. And then you know the Travis Kelsey thing. Yeah, absolutely, they should have let that play out. And you know people have been saying that it could have been a scoop and score. I think it could have been a scoop and score. But within the perimeter of Stephon Gilmore, Tyree kills right there. He's the fastest player in the league. He would have made it interesting. I think Gilmore gets in. But I could also see him being tackled within the five yard line of the end zone. But with the with the Nikhil Harry call, that there's no excuse for that. Is not even close to being out of bounds. You're down on the three yard line. You need to punch it in. Like I yeah, get it. I course. get it. Yeah. They took the touchdown yeah. off the board. You're on the three yard line. You have five different running backs back there. Like Jacoby Myers needs to catch the ball. Like you're on the three yard line. We've seen Tom Brady just just fall forward for touchdowns like mm-hmm. three times on Thursday mm-hmm. night against the Giants. Like you yeah. need to come up with ways and it can't just be gadget plays. Like mm-hmm. if, if that's the case that you, that how you move the football, yeah. then you should have queued up a few more gadget well, plays. Let's look at that series. There was four plays, right? Uh, the four plays were, uh, one of them was a drop by Jacoby Myers, right? That's a catch that. Well, the first down, it was, it was a rush to yep. James White. And yep. He just got stuffed in the backfield. Dude, the run game, non-existent. The offensive line, like, listen, I, I know there's some blame for Brady here, but for the run game, who do you blame for that? It's just bad all the way across. Right. The offensive line is bad. The running backs are bad. Bad scheming. Coaching is a big issue here as well. James Devlin's the biggest loss of this team right now. I don't even think that anymore. I think there's a deeper issue here with this offensive line. The fact that we're on our third center now, before the game started, uh, we realized our second stringer was fucking out, so our third string center was in. Um, there's a bigger issue with the offensive line here. Now, the second play was the uh, the, the back shoulder throw to Jacoby Myers. Yep. Hit him in the fucking stomach. You got to catch that. That's a drop pass for a touchdown. You got to catch that. Mm-hmm. Third play, I forget what that was exactly. Um, but the fourth play, it's on all out blitz, right? And Brady made the right call. He made the right throw to the right receiver. But Julian Edelman couldn't fucking separate on the route either. Yeah. Like the fucking DB was draped all over him. There's nobody to go to, right? Sure, Brady is not, you know, living up to the hype. But when you put, like, who do you think in the NFL behind that offensive line and those weapons will be able to do anything better than Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Am I right or am I wrong here? There's a lot of blame to be sent around here. And obviously, Brady, the quarterback, will get the fall of it. But we got to start looking deeper into how this organization has failed Brady in the prime of his career. Now, here's the thing. He has two to three years left max. And you decide to put this team around him? Well, the- I get it. They tried to bring in Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. But if if your if your hopes for Super Bowl were hanging on on Antonio Brown, you've already fucking lost the you've already lost the fucking game. Like if Antonio Brown was your was your guy, that's the one guy you were holding all your hopes on. You've already fucking lost. Right. It's Here, bigger than Antonio Brown. Right. It's the offensive line. Right. And here's the thing: it, it's, it's been a meme on the internet for a while, but there's always there's some like there's some truth to it a little bit, right? Where there was always a saying of, oh, give Bill Belichick and Tom Brady the local bagger from a, a market basket, a Shaw's and a BJ's, and they'll turn them into Hall of Fame wide receivers. This is the real life meme, and they ain't getting anything done. Well, it's not the receivers. It's the offensive line. And I think people need to start seeing the game for what it is. It's not the receivers. It's the offensive line. Brady has done with lesser talent, with Troy Brown and Deion Branch, because he had three seconds to throw. When you have 1.5, what are you going to do? Like, dude is literally getting the ball, and there's people around him. Mm -hmm. 
and with the the rush and the happy feet at times. There was one time, it was in the fourth quarter. I think it was Edelman ran out. It was uh, he was on the right side of the formation, and he was going up, and then he was going across the middle. And Edelman wasn't even set in his route yet, and it looked like Tom Brady did a drive-by and just threw it right at his hip. And I was like, "Yep, this, this, this well, is the whole thing." Well, his his mental clock is speed uh, is sped up because he's getting hit. Uh, the timing is off, and the elbow issue is real. Of course, it's real. But I think one play can sum up all of the issues the Patriots have had this year is when they asked Julian Edelman to come in to fucking block for Tom Brady. Did you remember that play? Mm-hmm. It's a small, insignificant play, and nobody's going to talk about it. But it tells you just what they think about that offensive line. They had to move in a wide receiver to the fucking halfback position yep. to block for Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. How bad is your offensive line? What are you doing, Dante Skarnecki? What are you doing, Bill Belichick? What are you doing, Robert Kraft? Right. Well, you know, if anyone's going to fix, like, if anybody is going to fix this offensive line somehow. It's going to be nobody. But the yeah. last three, four games of the season – is gonna it would be Dante Scarnecchia, but a, a telling issue that I'm gonna come up with what I said last week, my way that they win if they win out and then they win in the playoffs. But on the the four they were in the red zone with like a minute left on the game, and they do like this fade route that normally would be for Gronkowski, yep. mm-hmm. and they put Julian Edelman up there yep. and he throws it and the the cornerback makes a great play. It yep. is what it is. There was no penalty. Jacoby Myers was open on his break, and he went to the sticks. Worst case, you get a first down with a minute left in the game, and you're on the two-yard line. Like, Tom Brady just needs to fall forward, and you tie the game. But lack of faith in wide receiver core and just, you know, just going to their guy, and that caused that that turnover on downs and ended the game. But like I said last week, and I actually I was kind of half in the bag Sunday night and thought of this and, and compared the stats – they want to win. They want to win this division. They want to have the second the, the second seed, first round bye, possibly, and then play a division game at home. They need to do I think they need to do this. They need to go, they need to find a fucking run game. And if that means if you have no faith in Sony Michelle, there's a guy that came in for three games and the playoffs last year that's on his couch right now, and that's CJ Anderson. And he can run between the tackles because we've seen him run between the tackles. I'm done with Sony Michelle. I'm done with Sony Michelle. So, like, you get him, you have Sony somewhere if you even want to use him, because I think he only played three, five snaps the, the entire game. Uh, you have James White that can catch on third down, and then you got Rex Burkhead that can kind of run in the backfield between the tackles too. You pick C.J. Anderson off the street, you establish your run game, and you lean on your defense, and I think that's how you're going to win in December and January and go to the Super Bowl because if you compare this team's stats right now through 13 games and what the 2015 Denver Broncos did, it is eerily similar. The Broncos of 2015 – 16th in total offense at 355 yards per game. 17th in rush offense at 107 yards per game. 14th in pass offense, 248 yards a game. Uh, and then they were first in total defense. Right now, the Pats, through 13 games, was 15th in total offense, 354 yards per game. 22nd in total uh, in rush offense at 96 yards per game, which is insane. Ninth somehow, in pass offense. Uh, I figure a lot of that's got to be James White, but it counts as a reception. And the first in total defense, like the defense is there. You get a run game. Like they're a one-dimensional team and they suck at the one dimension that they're trying to do right now. 
Well, it's, listen, uh, the stats are great. I'm not a big stats guy. Uh, the eye test tells me last year, around this time, they were morphing into a new identity. They were figuring out what their identity was. They were figuring out what the strengths were. That was a run game, right? Uh, offensive line could maul people, and they could move people off the blocks, and they could fucking run. This is going the opposite direction. The The, the identity is getting more and more bleak by the fucking week. Uh, we're starting to see um, just some really bad football out of the Patriots on offense. Uh, on defense, truthfully, I was surprised at how well they played on on Sunday, I, they had a little bit of an issue in the first half. Yeah, um, and if I'm the Chiefs fans, I would be worried. Yeah, because they look bad. I they didn't do a whole lot. Worried that the fucking uh, we shut them out in the second half. They had three points in the second half, I believe. Right? Yeah, it was like it was? a field goal. Like they shut the well. The offense for Kansas City was yeah. bad in the first half, and then it was worse in the second. I just, I just don't understand how we've gone to this point. I don't understand it. I thought the genius that. Belichick was. Man, listen, I'm not trying to absolve Brady, man. Sure, he's got his issues. But how is he supposed to fix the offensive line? I don't get that. How is How did he get to this point? The vaunted Bill Belichick. How did we get to this point now? I don't get that. Mm, I don't know. But that's how I think they win. They, they call CJ Well, Anderson they don't win, up. man. I, I've admitted it. Uh, this is, I'm a defeated man today. Uh, I don't know what to say anymore. I've been uh, I've been just uh, restless for the last week or so. Wow. I, I knew that this game was going to be big for me on Sunday night, and I sat there watching this, and I was like, you know, I, I can I can take the easy road. I can blame the refs. I can blame this. I can blame that. But at the end of the day, this offense is not good. Yeah. And this team is not good. At the end of the day, this team does not. It's not just, listen, here, here's the issue. It's not just that. The offense sucks. It's also the kicking game sucks as well. So yeah, well, you have been an albatross so, all year. So you've lost confidence in that, right? The only the only part of your team that's playing good is defense, and even the defense has some issues against some really good teams. Like I mean, against the fucking Ravens, but then again, I got the Ravens. They they blow everybody out. But even against the Texans, like I was even against the Texans, I was surprised at just how bad the defense played. Um, so. All around, this is a bad team. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, at this point of Brady's career, you got to maximize his last couple years that he has left. And if I was him, truthfully, man, maybe I can see it more now. Uh, I still don't want to believe it, but if I was him, I'd be pissed. I would not want to be back here next year. No, I think he walks. I'd want to. I'd walk. I'd go to a team like the fucking Chargers or whoever else has a great roster. Go out there, win a fucking Super Bowl, and ride off in the sunset. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but I, I just I could not believe what I saw Sunday night, and it's unfortunate that I've come to the point to realize that the Patriots will win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna bypass Tennessee at the moment. And I'll talk about them more in my game preview. But less than 24 hours later, there's controversy still surrounding the Patriots. Oh like it's not as if it's not bad enough that your offense is in the news, your team's getting put on blast. Tom Brady is being told by people in the media that they, he needs to hang it up. He's washed. Uh, and now, Spygate 2.0? Like, I, I don't... I don't understand it. I re- I, and I was making this comparison with my dad on my way home because we were talking about the, the Patriots thing. Uh, and for those of you that aren't up to speed, uh, the Patriots, they have a website. Uh, they have a series online at Patriots.com. It's called Do Your Job. And they follow a person within their organization, whether or not whether it's a dietitian or the equipment manager or so on and so forth. And this week in this installment, they thought it would be a great idea to follow an advanced scout to scout the Cleveland Bengals game. Fun fact, the Patriots are playing the Bengals this week uh, in, in Cincinnati. So uh, they send this advanced scout. They have this film crew out there to follow this guy around. They got credentialed by the Cleveland Browns to be in the press box. 
Nobody thought it'd be a good idea to tell the NFL. And nobody thought it'd be a good idea to tell the Cincinnati Bengals. So so on that point, I think it was on the Browns to tell. Because it was in their stadium, it was on them to tell the Bengals that they've been credentialed to do this. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I was hearing otherwise that the, the Pats were at least should have told the league at most. The Pats were told the league, yeah, of course. But um, so here they are. They, they got the film crew set up in the, the press box with the, the Bengals. PR staff, NFL security is also in there. They have a camera set up, and this guy for the Bengals alleges that the camera was focused on the field. It was focusing on substitution patterns and hand signals for possible substitutions or possible plays, which is funny to me because everything's called in via radio. But I wouldn't be surprised with the Bengals, based on how cheap you told me they are, that Very they cheap. probably don't have radios Very in there. cheap. So... They flag down NFL security. They they go over. They talk to the camera crew. The camera crew, per a couple sources to Diana Rossini, was saying, oh, can we just delete the video and just act like nothing happened? Well, they confiscated the video. And earlier today, uh, today being Tuesday when we're recording, uh, there's eight minutes of footage of it just trained on the sideline following these hand signals and, and substitution patterns. And what I told my dad was this would be like, you know, the Pats shouldn't be anywhere near a video camera after 2007 course, yeah. spy gig. This would be the equivalent of Michael Vick with the whole dog fighting thing going to the local ASPCA trying to get a pit bull for a pet. Like mm -hmm. the, the optics test isn't there. Like, you, you know, just for your own like sake and sanity, like you don't put yourself in that situation. And you either... Somebody's that stupid in the organization or the production crew for craft, or they are that brazen enough to think that, now ah, we can just get away with it. That Well, listen, if they think that, listen, here's my thought process this whole thing. I think what Belichick said yesterday and today was a emphatic denial of him saying stuff like, you know, I have never seen this video. I don't know who that is. I don't know why they're out there filming. He has nothing to do with anything. So from the reports that I read, apparently the operation, football operations team, which is Belichick and the coaches, they had no idea this was going on, right? Um, from what I've read also, the production team is completely separate from the you know, football operation team. Right. So we need to i'm going to reserve judgment until i hear from the league right i'm going to wait till the league comes out with more information and see what what's on those tapes but at the end of the day like i just like why would you do that as an as a production team you know what i'm saying right like, you already know well from what i understand as well this is not a patriots employee this is a contracted uh, employee to come in per the statement i i got a quote back from spygate in 2007 and it's an interesting line it's the last sentence when you know this guy that you know, came forward, I guess you could say, blew the whistle on the whole thing in 2007. Uh, he told the NFL, he told other reporters that if we were ever caught in a pinch, we were to tell them that, you know, the videographers were provided with excuses for what to tell NFL security. If asked what they were doing, tell them you're filming the quarterbacks or the kickers or footage for a team show. Yeah. That's from 2007. And yeah, you know what? Maybe it was just some some dumb, some moron didn't get the memo. But when you have like a comment like that from the first time they got their hand caught in the cookie jar where they got, I think they, between Belichick and the team, they got fined like $750,000 and they lost a draft pick. Yep. Like, 
this morning I was thinking, all right, maybe it was just a misunderstanding. It's a fine. But then I go, I went and saw these, like that quote and then all this other stuff. And it's like, well, you already got caught once and you lost a first round draft pick and you got fined $750,000. Like you're a repeat offender at this point. In theory, like you're probably going to get the fucking book thrown at you. Well, listen, even if, even if it wasn't Belichick who set this up, right? Even if it was just, um, you know, Robert Kraft and his production team that set this up and they made a mistake, we're still going to get the book thrown at us no matter what, right? With the Patriots and their reputation and listen, I, and I know you'd like to roll your eyes at this, but just the hate that comes our way, we're going to get the book thrown at us. I, I, I am fully ready to have, you know, a million dollar fine and maybe two graphics or whatever it is. But as repeat offenders, we're not going to get any leniency from the league. Yeah, that's I just I just I don't understand. Like, so in your mind, what do you think happened? You think that Belichick set us up again? Yeah. So you think Belichick so, set us up again? So my theory is, I think that there is smoke to this, you know, to this fight, you know, to to what's going on right here, and. I kind of understand, like, it's Zach Taylor. It's a first-year head coach. Last time he saw Zach Taylor, he was holding a clipboard as the quarterback's coach for the L.A. Rams mm-hmm. when uh, when they were playing in the Super Bowl, maybe trying to get tendencies. You know, that's it. But it's just like, dude, you could just buy NFL Game Pass and watch the All-22 in your TV, in your fucking man cave, yeah. and not have to worry about this. But, like, you, but, I think, but I think that's why it makes no sense to me. This then, is so stupid. Then what, if this was just like a to follow this advanced scout around. Like if it's on tape that like, Hey, like they're following the scout. They took a quick shot of the field for 30 seconds. They did this mosaic of the crowd. Okay, fine. But when it's coming out that your camera is on the sideline for eight minutes solid. Yeah. What are you using that for? At the end of the day, reports that I trust in are from Adam Schefter and the league. The rest of them are a wash. This is from, this Diana Rossini. This uh, is t- from Adam Schefter. This is from Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo and Albert Breer and CBS Sports and ESPN and everybody else. Like it's come out today that it's been and even people for the athletic, which I actually trust more the athletic reporters a little bit more uh, than some of these other guys. The the one of the I think it was one of the beat reporters for the Pats had a source that said, yeah, there's eight minutes of fucking tape on the sideline. Listen, if if it does get proven by the NFL that Belichick set this up, then listen, I'll be real with you. You have to consider a lifetime ban for a Belichick. You have to. If he's that bold and if he's that dumb to set up another one of these sting operations to go into a stadium, fucking film the sideline, try to get sand signals. First of all, he should be just, you know. Dude, it's like the he Bengals. Like, yes, the Bengals, first of all. And secondly, it's like, how dumb are you? Like, you can't be this fucking dumb. If you, if you, if if it can be proven and tied back to Belichick, then you have to seriously consider a lifetime ban for Belichick because he's not going to stop now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Fucking lean into it. I mean, you if, it is, if this is who you are, this is who you are. You know what I'm saying? But I have a hard time believing Belichick sets this up, and I'll wait till the NFL comes out with their ruling to give my full thoughts on it. Yeah. Because the... Listen, and now in today's, and it's gotten worse as the years have gone on. There's fucking reports that come out from everywhere. People want to, this is how, this is how sports reporting has become. There's a left, there's a right. You believe what you want to believe. There's stuff on the left that I've seen. Well, it's just a fucking, it's just by gate 2.0. That's just a dumb gate. That's what they, that's what some people have fucking called it. Yeah. You believe the right because that's what you want to believe. But until I see from the NFL itself, I'm not going to believe anything. Yeah. Well, 
on the surface, eight minutes. And, and then it raises the question, you, you know, this would be more like conspiracy theory. It would be interesting if these te- if other teams uh, pulled their credential reports and saw who was credentialed to come up there. Be like, oh, did you see anybody acting weird? Did you see a video camera up there? Like, now, like, the floodgates are going to open up. Oh, it's for, like, open season on the pages right now. It's, it's open season. This is not going to get any prettier. It's going to get uglier. Yeah. Um, and, you know. And I think the winter meetings are gonna, right now, too. So, like, now Robert Kraft has to answer to other dragging writers. Tom Brady's name through the mud as well. For no fucking reason. Uh, that's because, debatable. Because he has nothing to do with this. But when it comes to the Patriots, there's Belichick and Brady are tied at the hip here. No matter what happens. Right? Um, even if Belichick is caught guilty of doing this, and I'm all for a lifetime ban at that point. You know what I'm saying? They're going to drag Tom Brady's name through the mud as well. It's just it's just what it is. The hate is so strong. I don't know if it's Tom Patriots. Brady. I think it's more when it comes to controversies like this, it's more at the organization. Like over the last... 10 years, besides the Deflategate, Spygate, this, you know, Robert Kraft with the rubbing a tug, name me a bigger, as another controversy that would be even close to this. But nobody has been as successful as us as we have. The, 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 the taller you are, the harder you fall. Yeah, you know but what I'm saying, what I'm, is there another controversy? Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're winning. Like, I, everybody's going to be coming the, after you. But what's another controversy that, like, has gotten this much attention. The Michael only one Vick. I can think of... What? Michael Vick. Or Bounty Gate. On a team level. I'm not talking about individual, because if yeah. that's the case, like, you know, Aaron Hernandez trumps all. Yeah. On a team level, over the last decade, most of the controversies going up at one Patriot place in Foxborough, except but for no, Bounty Gate. But it's just magnified. Like, even Bounty Gate, nobody talks about that. Nobody calls the Saints cheaters or whatever it is. It's just swept on the rug. It is what it is. But it's just you gotta you gotta admit that because of our success, there's a different level, right? But of then it's hate, like you know what I'm saying. But then it's like in, in baseball with oh well, they're successful. This guy was on PEDs. Like that's why people have this this hate of the Patriots organization. Is yeah, you're successful. How much was it like natural success, and how much was it like oh we're gonna Listen, like I, cut the corners and cheat a little bit? I personally have no issues with it. I don't. Deep down, I really don't. I, I'm a guy that believes the people that are successful in this life find a way to either cut corners or cheat. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we had this conversation about the uh, the, the baseball players that decide to use PEDs just because they realize they're not going to be able to make it. And it's a calculated decision they make that, hey, if I take these PEDs, I might have a one-year ban, but I'm going to make $200 million. I have absolutely no issue with this one bit. If the NFL is not going to take away our titles, then why not fucking do it? What's the worst that's going to happen? A fucking draft pick gets taken away? And half a million dollars? Oh, well, now all of a sudden, draft picks don't matter. Because before, up until this week, like, every time, like, a Patriot controversy came up, you'd be banging the table on, like, oh, we lost draft picks for this. Or, oh, we got fined for that. Well, listen, that's... You make joke out of it because the level animosity is unwarranted. It really is. Is it... When you're caught habitually cheating, Jay, is it unwarranted? I think I get it. Like, you might not care that if teams cut corners... Regardless of that, there are rules in place for a reason. So it's either one of two things. Like, granted, there's probably other teams out there. Are they better at cheating or are they just not cheating at all? Because if that's the case, you would be I would be expecting if the Tennessee Titans were doing this going into Houston this week, that there there would be an uproar with them too. It's just, you know, when you have a track record of cheating, 
that's when you get the fucking hammer thrown at you in public criticism. Bounty Gate, that went away because there was no other controversies coming out of uh, New Orleans after that. Hey, man, if, if rules are meant to be broken, bro. Yeah, well, rules are meant to be broken, <laughs> and then I got to hear people crying on, you know, Facebook. Uh, oh, you know, just, just a slow media day. Oh, have fun fishing with this. It's like, dude, do you not understand that this statement came out from Robert Kraft, which means Robert Kraft and his PR team, which yeah. means unless you need a remedial reading comprehension course, I don't know what else to tell people. And that's, that's just people on Facebook in general, because yeah. I put that up on our Facebook page and it started getting blown up with, oh, here comes the, here comes the fishing trip. Oh, here comes this. It's like, dude, are you that What's like- a fishing trip? You know, just reaching for things. Oh. Like, oh, did you pull a muscle reaching for that? And it's like, yeah. no, I guess Robert Kraft pulled a muscle when he typed the statement. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they, they kind of did. I heard this, and I swear to God, we're going to move on to game preview. Uh, the statement, and it said, like, oh, we accept responsibility, but, like, we had nothing to do with it. It was like in Mission Impossible that John Breach from CBS brought this up. It's like in Mission Impossible where they say, like, Ethan Hunt, you've been selected to do a mission now, if you or any member of your IMF team is captured, caught, killed, imprisoned, we will disavow any knowledge of your existence, and we have no responsibility to come and get you. And it's like, dude, that's what you just did for a fucking video camera. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. Well, man, at the end of the day, we'll see what the uh, the NFL will come out with. Um, like I said, I personally have an issue with it. If they are cheating again... Fuck it, man. It is what it is. Let's keep rolling with it. I mean, at the end of the day, we have six Super Bowl rings and nobody, you know, sure, there's those jokes by Spygate, but people still consider Tom Brady the GOAT. They still consider Belichick to be uh, one of the greatest of all times. But if this does come out where, you know, hey, it, Belichick sets this up again and this is his doing, then there's a good chance that I vote for a, a lifetime ban from the NFL. Like, uh -huh. I mean, that's, that's something that has to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. Time will only tell. <sighs> For all that, a lot of Patriot discussion. Well, we're an hour, hour, hour and one minute in. Oh, sick. That's game preview. Uh, <laughs> Jets versus Ravens is the first game. Um, Last Thursday night football game. Oof. So, listen, Jets are coming off of a 22-21 win over the Finns and avoided getting swept in the series. Another controversial call in that game as well, too. That was my uh, second point. Uh, but there was also another <laughs> massive controversial <laughs> Pass interference call at the end of the game made by the rest, which gave the Jets new life in the final minute. Um, and the Jets somehow won without two of the star players in Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams. Now, Donald wasn't his best self. Um, he missed too many wide open receivers and made some very poor decisions. But he did enough in the end to throw two touchdowns and get the team into position to kick a game-winning field goal. Now, the Ravens won 24-17 over the Bills on Sunday. And it wasn't the usual high-flying act. It was kind of an ugly, grinded-out game. Um, Lamar threw for just 145 yards and had three touchdowns. And generally speaking, the Bills' defense was able to slow down the Ravens. Um, and truthfully, like I discussed earlier, um, the game was there for the taking uh, if Josh Allen could have stepped up. Like, the Josh Allen-led charge could have been this fucking Ravens team. Now, I wonder if the Bills got lucky slowing down the Ravens' O. Um, or, you know, if the NFL has gotten enough film to figure out some stuff on the Ravens. Uh, a lot of times, the Bills' defense was in the backfield making stops, um, you know, bobbing up Lamar Jackson. Um, so I am interested to see how this progresses next week, uh, if the Ravens will bounce back, or if somehow the Jets have got enough film on them to slow down that offensive attack. 
Um, at the end of the day, the Ravens still got it done because the Ravens bring a complete team effort day in and day out. Um, it's not just the offense. It's the defense playing really well as well. Um, the defense stepped up and allowed only 209 yards of offense. I will. I think it'll still be another great win for the Ravens, a 28-21 over the Jets on Thursday Night Football. God, you think the Jets are going to put up 21 points? I mean, for the most part, they've been putting up like 20-ish points around around that frame uh, for the last few uh, right. few weeks. I mean, the Jets side, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, Darnold, he, he's come along, especially since that Pats game. You know, the Since whole, his mono I'm, situation? You know, the mono, the I'm seeing ghost fit. How the fuck does a grown man get mono? I don't understand that. In a team organization, I could kind of see that if somebody, like, thinks, like, dishware is clean. Because, like, you have, like, a kitchen area in, like, the locker room. Someone thought, oh, the spoon's clean. I'm going to eat my fucking Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The next thing you know, it's like, oh, you just made out with Robbie Anderson. But... Um, I mean, over the last five games, uh, they, they, they've won four out of the last five. Uh, during that stretch, Darnold has thrown for 1,347 yards, nine touchdowns, two picks. Uh, he's shown strides. Robbie Anderson's kind of come along in this game, too, uh, this stretch as well, too, for 226 receiving yards and three touchdowns. The Jets are second in rush defense, but, you know, I still say good luck. I mean, if you you can contain Lamar Jackson, okay, fine. You got the thumper of Mark Ingram that's just going to run all over you between the tackles. The Ravens side, it could get a little bit interesting just because Mark Andrews, he's saying he's going to play. He left the last game against the Bills with a knee injury. They said he lucked out. It was a little minor issue, but it's definitely something to keep monitoring, especially on a short week. Uh, Marquise Brown, he was on the field last week, but he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, he's still battling an ankle injury. And Lamar Jackson was limited in practice uh, on Monday, and I think he was limited this uh, today, Tuesday as well, too, with a, uh, with the injured quad that he got in the Bills game as well. Uh, I fully expect this defense of Baltimore to smother the, the Jets' offense, though. I mean, but besides, you know, Robbie Anderson – uh, who is really the only viable wide receiver? Ryan Griffith, the tight end. He, I think, he went on IR with an issue. And then you got Le'Veon Bell, that may or may not have the flu, but may or may not go bowling the night before. Who knows if he's going to show up? Um, I just, I don't see a whole lot going on through the air, and especially on the ground. Like, does anyone really trust David Montgomery and and in uh, Bilal Powell? I certainly don't. Uh, so over under forty five. Give me the over. Uh, but give me Baltimore. I mean, they're also 15-point favorites. So oh, I think course, Baltimore yeah, I mean, is just going to destroy this team. It's going to be insane. Uh, next up, Bears versus Packers. The Bears won 31-24 over what is quickly turning into a very bad Dallas Cowboys team last Thursday. Um, I think the Cowboys took hey, the mental. Uh, what do you mean we're bad? I know, We're going right? to make a playoff. Dude, he, he's losing his mind. Did you hear him on the the Dallas radio morning yeah. show? Did you see my retweet? Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you see I was like, my Jesus. Retweet? Um, I think the Cowboys took the mantle <laughs> of most underachieving team from the Bears just because of the Bears, uh, you know, second half season resurgence. Uh, Mitch is continuing his good play. He totaled four touchdowns and looks as if he will dupe the Browns into giving the uh, the Bears into giving him another year under quarterback. Yeah. Now, one, uh, now one of the negatives that came out of the game for the Bears was linebacker Raquan Smith left the game with the season-ending pectoral muscle, which is big because it's a big part of that defense. And that defense has been playing really good the last few weeks. Um, somehow, the Bears are still alive in the playoff hunt. It's unreal right now. Um, a win this week against the the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and truthfully, the Bears become a massive story again, right? Because mm-hmm. they're vying for the last uh, they're fighting for that playoff spot, spot against the Vikings, right? Yep. 
On the Packers side, man, how lucky are they to get the Giants and the Redskins back to back in December to pile up those wins at the two, back at the back end of their schedule? Two words for last game for Aaron Rodgers. What's that? Game manager. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, sure, right, sure, they won both games and they beat the Redskins this week, uh, twenty to fifteen. But this wasn't a very impressive win, man. At the end of the day, Rodgers ended up with uh, eighteen of twenty-eight, one hundred ninety-five yards and one touchdown. And from what he says, he enjoyed a lot of scotch that night. Did you hear his comments afterwards? No, I didn't. He just loves his every single every single win. He's like, I'm gonna enjoy a lot of scotch tonight. I'm I like, think he's just trying right. to be like, oh my god, anchor man. I love scotch. Scotch is got. It's kind of a fucking weird dude, man. Yeah, he's something. Now on the Green Bay side, man. Luckily, their running game showed up just because Aaron Rodgers wasn't the best. Um, Aaron Jones balled out with 134 yards and one touchdown. Now the next two weeks are big for Green Bay as they have the Bears and the Vikings. And they need to win both to be in the hunt for a bye in the playoffs. I think they win this week 35-24 over the Bears. All right. Uh, so Chicago, real quick. You know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. You can rewind it to the first 10, 15 minutes of the podcast about what I had to say about Trubisky. Uh, the defense, um, they're going to get it, it. They got a big piece back uh, this week. I think he's tracking to play. And that is Akeem Hicks. Uh, he, he's been on a short-term IR with, uh, with the, a couple of injuries. Uh, he was activated last week. He could practice. And this week, if it all goes to plan, he should be able to play. And they lost uh, Roquan Smith. You know, like you said, huge part of that defense. But Akeem Hicks is crucial to stopping the run. And I think if you're going to be able to shut down one of the, you know, functioning parts of this offense uh, for Green Bay is you need to shut down Jamal Williams and you need to shut down um, Aaron Jones. You do that with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. I think you're going to be putting yourself in a position for, uh, on the other side of the ball, for Mr. Trubisky to succeed. Uh, the Green Bay side, I just said, Aaron Rodgers was a game manager. Aaron Jones, he's going to have an issue rushing the football. The, the Bears are seventh in rush defense. But the defense for Green Bay is what concerns me more because they've been able uh, to be had on the ground all season long. They're facing a mobile, hostile, agile Mitchell Trubisky. And if he's able to continue that to that ro ball rolling and, and you know Matt Nagy doing what he should be doing with the play calling, this could be a very interesting game. Uh, the over-under is 41. Uh, give me the over and give me Chicago in Lambeau Field. I think they're going to pull off. Shot town. Uh, Rams versus the Cowboys. Bro, don't look now, but the Rams are rounding into shape, man. They're playing some really good ball right well, now. Well, they have to. They got to win out. <laughs> well, they had a very impressive 28-12 win over the Seahawks on Sunday night. Um, here's the best stat from the game. Todd Gurley, Tyler Higbee, and Robert Woods are the first teammate trio with 100-plus scrimmage yards each in consecutive games since the 2000 Vikings and their great trio of Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Robert Smith. Mm -hmm. That's a great stat right there. Mm -hmm. um, and Sunday night was essentially a playoff game for the Rams, and they came through big time. I did not expect that ass when they put on the Seahawks. 28-12 doesn't do justice to what they did to the Seahawks. Now, they need to win versus the Cowboys to reel in the 9-4 Vikings for the last wild card spot. Uh, they essentially need to win out, um, but it's doable with how confidently Jared Goff is playing all of a sudden. The Rams seem to be peaking at the right time. Now the Cowboys, they're a complete dumpster fire, dude. That's, that's the best way you can sum up. Like, what more can you say? It's been beat to death. I mean, we don't have to say it over here again, but the most underwhelming, underwhelming team of the year. Like, I cannot believe after getting embarrassed on national TV on Thanksgiving that they came out and laid an egg like that against the Bears. They 
they quit after the first drive. They did. They did. They like, really, they thought that they're gonna go down, hit the fucking first touchdown, they're gonna be game over. You know? I couldn't believe it. Like that's my one point with Dallas is like you said. I, like there's only so many times I can talk about Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper being banged up. Like this team needs to play mm-hmm. with heart and intestinal fortitude for four quarters of football. Well, they don't have that. They've, they're just seriously lacking something. I mean, I don't know if it's from the head coach or if it's from whatever, from their leaders on the team. They're lacking some sort of heart, right? Um, to your point, they started out, they started out hot with a 17-play, 75-yard touchdown. Uh, I'm sorry, 75-yard touchdown drive. But that really was it. The offense, it. The offense didn't show up until garbage time. Yeah. You know? And then, like, Dak Prescott looked like what he should have been doing. I mean, like, at the end of the day, I think you have a big point there where there is no heart on this team, man. And I think a telling thing about them not having heart was the fact that, what's that guy that came over from the Patriots? Michael Bennett walked in and, like, was all of a sudden yelling and screaming in the locker room. The new like, guy why is the, the new guy, player. like, your fucking leader at that point? Yeah. Like, I don't get that. Yeah. Um, listen, I know there's a lot wrong with this Cowboys team, but we do got to point a finger at that defense as well. That defense has taken a step back from that defense from last year. I thought they were going to take a step forward and be great this year. I thought they were going to be elite defense. They've taken a massive step back. Their high watermark this year, I think, was Sunday Night Football when they played the Eagles. Because ever since then, that defense has been nowhere to be found. Dude, at the end of the day, Jason Garrett's fired. Like I said to you earlier, bring in Ever Myers, as the Joneses have already spoken to him, and let's God. see if he can turn it around. If that happens, bro, I'm buying a Cowboys hat, buying a Cowboys jersey. Urban me up, bro. Oh, Love God. me some Ever Meyer. All right. Uh, give me Rams 31-21. Yeah, I'm going with the Rams, too. I mean, just real quick on the Rams side, they, they like you said, they dominated Seattle. But to me, the, the giant key was they went back to basics. They were doing a lot of jet sweeps with Robert Woods. Uh, and Josh Reynolds uh, to the outside, to the perimeter. And then you had Todd Gurley just thumping in between the tackles. And uh, and they just completely wore down the Seahawks uh, defense last week. Uh, and I think you're going to see that a little bit more against Dallas. Uh, the Cowboys are 19th against the Rush. But what I want to see more, and it's not just because I have this guy in fantasy football, but in real-life football, Cooper Cup was really nowhere to be found last week against the Seattle Seahawks. He typically, uh, through up until that game, has played at least 60% of the snaps. Uh, last week, he only played 30%, and he really was only relevant in the red zone for that one touchdown pass. I think he ended the day with like four four targets, four receptions for 45 yards and the touchdown. I need to see a little bit more of him. Uh, and then Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler, they should be able to wreck this offensive line of Dallas. Uh, Over-unders, 48 and a half. Uh, give me the over and give me the uh, the Rams on the road in Jerryville. Uh, and, you know, you get to hear Jerry Jones hop on the uh, the local radio saying that, fucking mind. you know, you can't have a team Dude, go in his line- with, with less than impressive record. You, you can't have a team go in with a less than impressive record getting the playoffs. I call it coming up the backside and win the world championship. That's pro football. Well, he started out something like, I don't, I don't get questioning, get in line or, um, I don't have time for this today. I've been traveling all night. That was last week. Well, he was like, he was like, I was, I've been traveling all night, bro. You're on a fucking G five going back. Yeah. You weren't fucking on the Oregon trail going back to Dallas. He was right? swearing the radio, the, the, the computer program, the radio station dropped him. I was like, Oh, and I was like, okay. Precious game to him as well. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's not a good look. Listen, Bill Steelers, the next game we're going to pick. Bills are pretenders, as I discussed in the earlier segment, so no need to revisit that. On to the 8-5 Steelers. Uh, Dude, wow, did not see this coming one bit. Duck! 
Uh, Duck Boy is fucking playing good for them right now. To start the year by losing Big Ben, like, dude, everybody was writing them off. Um, and they're somehow 8-5 right now in the playoff contention. Give Mike Tomlin the Coach of the Year award right now. Just give it to him, bro. Yep. It's him. No doubt. Uh, it's going to come down to the Steelers and probably the AFC South runner up for that sixth spot. Um, and, I, and I like the Steelers' chances, truthfully. Uh, mostly due to that ball-hawking defense, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has been a great addition for them. Now, another reason why they had this great resurgence so far is uh, Duck Boy is playing great. <laughs> they had no other choice. Right? Because <laughs> either that or Mason Rudolph. Well, he, listen, he only allowed three incompletions versus Arizona and finished with a 117 rating and a 23 win. Now, Duck Boy makes some pretty smart decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over, and that's half the battle in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, he's the complete opposite of Mason Rudolph. Uh, give me Pittsburgh 17-14. All right, all right. Uh, Buffalo... They just need to cut down on the drops. Uh, John Brown needs to show up. Uh, you can't go three games without being relevant. John Brown needs to come through. Now, Pittsburgh is a top three total defense, but they have been able to be, shocker, beaten on the ground a little bit. And I think if you open up uh, the run game with Devin Singletary, he's been the, one of the most explosive players on that team. You get Josh Allen in space a little bit. That's going to open up the play action, create space for your wide receivers. I think they could do a little bit of damage through the air. Um, this defensive line needs to get pressure on Duck Hodges. You know, Tremaine, Tremaine Evans is going to be playing against his brother. His brother's a running back on the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that should be interesting to watch. Uh, then you got Ed Oliver and company. They need to generate pressure on Duck, make him uncomfortable. Uh, the Pittsburgh offensive line starting pass protection, so they're going to have a little issues. Uh, the Pittsburgh side, uh, James Conner and Juju, they've missed the last couple of weeks with injuries. It's something to monitor. Juju Smith-Schuster's trying to come back for this game. I don't expect James Conner to come back. I think th there's optimism, but I don't, I'm not too sure about how that AC joint strain is going to hold up. Uh, and Deontay Johnson... He's emerged as a wide receiver threat for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Uh, he had a, a mini breakout last week versus Arizona. Six receptions, six, uh, 60 yards, a touchdown. Also had a punt return for a touchdown. Funny enough, he was picked uh, with the draft pick that the Oakland Raiders sent for the Antonio Brown trade. And funny enough, he was uh, picked out of, I think, Central Michigan. So go figure. Um, and I think they need to rush the ball. Whoever's in the backfield, whether it's Benny Snell, Benny Snell or uh, Edmonds' brother, they need to rush the ball. Buffalo can be beaten on the ground. Uh, the over under is 36 and a half. Uh, give me the over, though, and give me the Buffalo Bills on the road in primetime. Next up, Colts versus Steelers. Uh, the Colts are D-O-N-E done. 38-35 loss to the Bucks, uh, which is a third straight loss, eliminates the Colts from the playoffs at 6-7. and seven. Uh, this one's on defense, man. The defense had four turnovers, sure, which is bound to happen when you play Jameis Winston. But they also gave up 542 yards. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, man, not much to say here on the Colts. It just wasn't good enough in all three phases for the Colts this year. Kicking issues with the Vinatieri, Jacoby Burst in the office wasn't good enough, and late the defense has been really leaky. What started out as a promising year ended up uh, I'm sorry, where I started off the promising year ended when Luck retired before the season started. The ah. second he retired, it was over. I think it, it was over when T.Y. Hilton started missing games. <laughs> it's time to find the heir apparent for Luck, as I, I believe Jacoby Bursette ain't it. Uh, the Saints lost in a shootout versus the 49ers, 48-46. And if I told you before the game that New Orleans would score 46 points in the Superdome, 
you would assume it's a guaranteed win, right? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the defense had no answer for the 49ers offense. In the final minutes, Drew Brees threw his fifth touchdown to put the Saints ahead. But the New Orleans D couldn't stop Jimmy G and the 49ers who marched into field goal range on a seven-play drive in 53 seconds. And the rest is history as Robbie Gold hit the field goal winner. With that loss, the Saints lost their grip on the number one seed. And with the loss, um, the 49ers are essentially two games ahead of the tiebreaker now. So there's a good chance they're not be able to make it up in three games. Yep. It's going to be number two seed. Um, the one positive out of this game was Drew Brees looked really good, man. Threw five touchdowns. His arm looked fresh. He looked healthy. He looked good. Last year around this time, he was trying to trail off. And I think if that thumb injury didn't happen, we'd be at this point now where he'd be, getting, we'd be trailing off as well. But maybe those uh, weeks off probably did him wonders. Maybe his arm is refreshed for the for, for the playoff one right now. I hope they're refreshed because every pass he threw in this game was underneath. Yeah. Nothing was beyond 20 yards. Uh, Saints, uh, 35-21, Monday Night Football, no chance the Colts win this. Yeah, I mean, the, the Colts side, by one key, <laughs> which I don't even think they're going to be able to do, is just to just put Mike Thomas, like, isolate him, like, double cover him. Dude, he's so good. And take, oh away, my God. take away the security blanket because there's really no other number two receiver in New Orleans. Like, Ted Ginn's not really going to be getting the job done. Traquan Smith has shown flashes. Jared Cook's probably going to miss this game. I think New Orleans is going to be business as usual. Uh, the defense can flush out Jacoby Brissett, uh, make him uncomfortable, generate turnovers. Uh, the over-under is 46. Give, give me the over and give me New Orleans at home, and hopefully I don't have to see uh, Sean Payton bitch about things. And real quick... Just because this is a key matchup, I'll run through this real quick. The Texans versus the Titans, huge AFC matchup. Both teams are tied for the division lead in the AFC South. And Houston got embarrassed last week against Drew Locke, no fan in the Denver Broncos. Uh, they, they need to win this game to keep their playoff hopes and the division hopes alive. Uh, take advantage of this weak secondary of Tennessee at times. Uh, expect most coverage to go towards DeAndre Hopkins. So Kenny Stills, Kiki QT, and uh, Will Fuller, if he's able to play, uh, is going to need to step up big time. Uh, Darren Fells also could be interesting uh, to play as well, too, just because Tennessee is seventh worst against defending the tight end. On Tennessee side, just a resurgence. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been the, the breath of fresh air that this team's need, uh, that this team needed. Uh, he's six and one as a starter. Uh, he's been playing lights out football. He's thrown for 1,993 yards, 15 touchdowns, and five picks in the six game uh, or seven game stretch. Uh, there's ro- there's rumblings that Tennessee may actually back up the Brinks truck for him next year uh, it, as a contract extension. Uh, and he's really opening up the run game for Derrick Henry, and I think that's going to be key to uh, to just run through and, and break the will of the Houston Texans. Now, the Tennessee defense is 25th against the pass, 10th against the 10th against the uh, the rush. Uh, they they're gonna have to know where DeAndre Hopkins is at all times. Like that's really it. Uh, the over under is 50. Give me the over. Give me Tennessee at home. Tighten up. I don't understand how the fucking Houston Texans were down 34-3 at one point to the fucking Denver Broncos. I think they look past them. I think they honestly, I think they look past um, the uh, the Denver Broncos, and they were looking to this this matchup uh, against Tennessee because. This is a huge game. They played the Titans twice in three weeks. Yeah, like, big game. Yeah. This is gonna be What's crazy. your thoughts on Drew Locke? I'm actually surprised because from what I saw in training camp and preseason and some of the things that his own head coach was saying, being like he's a throw, like in baseball, he's a thrower, but he doesn't know how to pitch. Yeah, it was pretty bad what he said. And, uh, I remember Vic Fangio dropping some heat on yeah. um, 
He's shown improvements. I mean, his first game as a starter, I think he threw for like a touchdown or two, one pick, yeah. and 200 yeah. something yards. He looked good. He had a great connection with Noah Fant last week 300 yards, you know, three touchdowns. He looked great. He, we, I was surprised. We need to give some love to uh, Cortland Sutton. He's emerging mm-hmm. as a top flight receiver in the mm-hmm. NFL. A dude reminds me of Emmanuel Sanders, but I think a little quicker, truthfully. Yeah, bigger too. Yeah. Um, Proud of SMU. They both went to SMU. Seriously, they both have the same body type. They both get in our breaks uh, yep. in a beautiful fashion. He's winning number 14. Just reminds me of Emmanuel Sanders, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's great. That was a, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, Drew Locke. You know, that, 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 I said a lot of stuff at the beginning of the season about Drew Locke. And yeah, but listen, let's not get surprised. carried away, man. It's two wins. He looks right, good. But, right, yeah, you could say that. But when you look at where he was in training camp, what Vic Fangio was saying, and the next thing you know, he's like throwing for 350, 375 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, but that's like, a, it's like 12 like, weeks later, though. Right, but against and he, how long was he on IR? Yeah, and there's all that time to soak up more knowledge. You know what right, I'm but like, then like that was said about Nikhil Harry. and Nikhil Harry's trash. And He's fucking trash. There you go. So Nikhil, it's not it's not a matter of knowing the playbook. It's a matter of how you want your fucking route. Run it with some pride. You're a fucking wide receiver. Yeah. Like even I know that's a fucking lazy route. Yeah. Well, he was more known for his big body in the red zone. Than Wait, I listen, think, uh, when you're that big, when you're that big, and you let a cornerback get in front of you, dude, fuck you, yeah. fuck you. You're not trying. You know what I'm saying? Well, don't get me wind up again. Either way, Drew Locke looked good. Think think they might have something. Just saying. I was pleasantly surprised. But real quick, uh, to wrap up the podcast, because we're probably at an hour and a half at this point, um, you can find this episode on... uh, oh my what God. was that again? I can't even talk. We flubbed the opening. I'm, flub, I'm flubbing we, the plugs. Do we um, send out vinyl records for yeah. our podcast? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we send do. out audio cassettes. Uh, audio cassettes, yeah. Okay. You can find this episode of the Pro Football Radio Podcast and our previous ones on Spotify, now, is that on the internet? SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, share. You know, be sure to check in. I know I missed Fantasy Friday last week. You know, a lot of stuff was going on around the house, but I'll give you some last-minute uh, waiver wire people to help you win. We're in the fantasy football playoffs right now. The time is now to win and punch your ticket to the championship. So be be on the lookout for Friday for that video. And that's all I got for the plugs. Hopefully, you know the the Pats don't lay an egg against the Bengals and Jay kills himself. I don't I, I don't want to find a, a it's, new host. It's it's gonna be bad. I don't. I don't. You know the red rifle. I will say one like, thing. They're gonna go in there. And they're gonna demolish the Bengals. I, I don't care how bad this team is. They're gonna go in. They're gonna demolish the Bengals. You Bangles. know what the fucked up thing is? Like, if they're gonna win, I honestly think if they're going to win, the defense is going to need to score because yeah. say what you want about the Bengals, the defense has been okay at times, yeah. and they still have Geno Atkins, who's huge and can break through a line, and this offensive line is. T- Terrible. Like this could be this could be like it's been bizarro world in the NFL for the last couple of weeks. Like, what if? What if Speaking the red rifle does his job and this defense makes Tom Brady well, uncomfortable listen, at, they win? At this point it doesn't matter. I mean, listen, I, I've given in, I've thrown a towel in. Uh, I there's just there's no way. Like it doesn't matter at this point. Now, the one thing I want to talk about is very quickly is just how about the NFC East is 
Dude, there could be a seven and nine team <laughs> that could win the fucking NFC East. The Redskins were in it until they lost to the Packers last week. Oh my god! It is so. I was watching that Giants uh, Eagles game last night, and no lie, as much as I hate Eli Manning, it was kind of nice to see him kind of um, have one last hurrah. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see his family up there throwing some uh, throwing some touchdowns. I think the Giants need to give him the last three games. I, I think mean, at this rate, to... it's a high ankle sprain for DJ. I mean, you can say, oh, he'll play if he's ready, dude. Yeah, like, I, I the think, season's lost. I think it's stupid. I think you, you give Eli Manning the send-off he needs. Listen, I, I hate the guy. I don't like him one bit. But, listen, he has some, had some spectacular moments in the NFL. It's the end of an era for the Giants. You give him the last three last three games. Right. Let him ride off in the sunset, you know? Right. And it's a high ankle sprain, too, for DJ, too. Like, you don't want to fuck up mechanics because you're compensating for an injury. Like, no, just like you said, just have Eli have his moment, have a home start. Call it a day. Who's winning that division? Eagles or Cowboys? Because really, right now, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Because nobody, they're not going to make any noise right in the now, playoffs. Yeah. I mean... Who looks worse? Because last night, I could not believe they were down 17-3 at halftime. I couldn't believe that. They sure they came back and won, and I get that. It's fine and well and dandy. I, but my God, that's good overtime to be a 2-10 fucking Giants team? Well, look, who was out there catching balls? Oh, my God. Did practice squad people and Zach Ertz? Like, worse right now? Like, if... Oh, God. I have, I have Philadelphia winning the division. Jesus Just because Christ. I think that's the one team out of the two that actually has intestinal fortitude and heart to actually play four quarters in an over. Think about your statement you just said right now. The Cowboys have so much fucking talent. One of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And they can't seem to put it together. Well, I think that it's not helping that Jerry Jones goes on every... Well, he's speaking at the end of the game. And then he's going on his radio show... You know, talking about heads will roll, all this other stuff. Like, we're too talented. I think anytime that at this point, anytime there's adversity, they're already thinking, well, here goes the soundbite. I'm going to be talked about on Jerry Jones' postgame. I'm going to be talked about talked about in uh, in, in his radio show. And they, they just automatically resign themselves to defeat and don't try to come back. Like, that's, that's what I think the biggest issue is, is maybe some people just need to stop talking and let the, the players actually fucking play the goddamn game. I saw a report that said that Stephen Jones said in passing to a reporter that he needs to, J- J- Jason Garrett needs to make the NFC Championship game to stay put. Uh, at this rate, he needs to win the Super Bowl to I, even think about I, Exactly. I, I think he needs to win the Super Bowl. I, earlier, I said three weeks ago, I said he needs to make the Super Bowl to keep his job. I think now you got to win the Super Bowl, man. Yeah. With just how bad your team looks on back-to-back weeks on national TV. Like, come on, bro. And even if they win the division, they Ew, get the, they I get want, the At fucking 8-8. Eight but, eight. but here's the thing. They get the wild card game. Oh, my God. They're going to host either Could uh, you imagine San, uh, San Francisco or Seattle at Jerry World. Oh, my God. You're going to have to beat one of those teams. To, you're going to beat Road Warriors the rest of the time. Dude, good luck. Good luck, Dallas. Like, that's all I got. Do you think they should reseed? Reseed? Uh, what do they say? Reformat? Oh, uh, reform? No. I don't think so. Is that what they call it? Reseed? Uh, real, realign. Whatever it is. Do you think they should or no? No. Because no. what are you going to do? Like, what? Like all the teams in the East make sense. What, are you going to put Dallas in, the, like, the NFC South? Yeah. And Well, you know what? As a Patriots fan, the silver lining is here. We can finally say we don't have the worst division. No shit. We have a great division right now. It's from what it seems like. two 10-win teams in the AFC East. Compared to the fucking NFC East. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> all right. An hour and 30 minutes in. Uh, if, somebody, if some of you are still listening, what are you doing with your life? 
<laughs> we're entertaining, Jay. People listen to Joe Rogan for three hours. We're doing entertainment. We're talking about bullshit. You trying to be a sub uh, sub uh, submarine captain? I can't fucking talk tonight. I need to go to sleep. I want to be a dive captain. You know, a dive a dive officer. I want to. You want to be an admiral? The, I want to start the mutiny. Yeah. The, I want to. I want to take down Italy. Yeah. Who you and? Fucking Italy, man. Fucking Italy. You do know Mussolini died, right? Like, it's I'm just okay. saying. We take out Italy. We take out... Uh, who else we want to take out? We is you, because I'm not saying shit. Because I don't have a fucking problem. <laughs> anywho. Anywho. Who else we take out? We take out... Uh, the Russians. Let's wow. take them out. You know what, I'm what do they have? They've never given us anything. You know what I'm saying? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Maybe China will ride it. Oh, yeah. Let's just blow up every nuclear power. I mean, I mean, There's nothing they, wrong with that. Just, uh, we'll take over the world, man. Jesus Christ. All right. Did you know, last fact, last fact for the submarine thing. So, essentially, most submarines, they have instructions on board stating what would happen if, let's say, their country got blown up or dissolved or whatever it uh-huh. is. And the the British Prime Minister, whenever she or he gets into office, she writes a letter to all four submarines saying, your directions are as follows. And most of them give the authority to a submarine to figure out what they want to do next. So they become a sovereign state. Right, because right? so- the state property. Exactly, right? So they will either align with an allied power, right? That's what most of the submarine captains do if... Uh, yeah, if part of NATO up. or whatever. Yeah. Or you just become your own country. You become the USS whatever the fuck it is and go out there wrecking shit, you know? <laughs> but what if they're British? It's HMS. But anywho. The, uh, the USS Chima. You know? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a country we're, on its own. We're getting off the rails here, people. All right, people. We love you so much. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye, God, Dio. <laughs>